0: I'm Bill Phelps, Phelps, LLC, Ranch in Burnett County, Texas, and you're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. With the largest farm news team in the lone star state
2: now here's the host of texas ag today
1: carrie martin
2: hello texas it's always great to have you along for another edition of texas ag today all you've got to do is jump on in and buckle up we're going to take a ride across the lone star state as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation texas agriculture In the news today, the big story this week, rain. We have seen rain in some of the most parched areas of Texas this week. The northern Texas panhandle down into the southern plains, the big country, central Texas and south Texas all getting rainfall this week in some areas that haven't seen it in several months. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
3: Will we get a lot of rain this summer in the Texas High Plains? History suggests that could be the case. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today.
2: International trade challenges for American agriculture. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from Texas senior U.S. Senator on that issue on Texas Ag Today.
0: This is James Duncan in East Texas. Watermelon planting's over
2: with. Hay cutting's coming. Cattle expansion in the herd is expected here in East Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Many areas of Texas are getting some welcome rain this week, helping to get spring crops and pastures underway. Tommy Henderson is a cattle and wheat producer near Wichita Falls in Clay County.
0: Right now we're pretty dry, but we're cloudy and got a good chance of rain for the next three days. We're all hoping for a good rain, and uh, I believe it'll be here in time. And cattle market's good. Wheat market's pretty volatile, but not bad. Fertilizer prices have come down a little bit, but they need to come down a whole lot more. Everybody here is kind of busy calving cows out, and hopefully we're kind of getting toward the end of our calving season now.
2: Weather, it's not bad, but we could sure use rain, and I think it's on the way. Henderson says prospects for growing hay look a lot better if this week's rain comes through. Last year, he had to truck hay from North Dakota just to get through the summer. A bill has been introduced in Congress to monitor the Fever Tick Eradication Program. South Texas Congresswoman Monica De La Cruz has introduced the Cattle Fever Tick Eradication Program Enhancement Act. The proposed bill would direct the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture to enter into a contract with a university or college of agriculture to study the effectiveness of the cattle fever tick eradication program. The bill would also require a report on any suggestions for improvements to the program. USDA's cattle fever tick eradication program systematically detects, treats, and works to eradicate tick infestations. Fever ticks are commonly found in Mexico and the program's mounted patrol inspectors routinely perform patrols along the Rio Grande Valley. Texas wheat conditions continue to get worse. This week's Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report shows the good-to-excellent ratings getting lower, while the poor-to-very-poor ratings continue to climb. This week's numbers show 14% of our wheat crop in Texas rated good-to-excellent, 31% rated fair, and 55% of the wheat crop now rated in the poor-to-very-poor categories. And that seems to follow the trend nationwide.
4: Unfortunately, the quality of this crop continues to decline, especially across the Great Plains and also in parts of the Northwest.
2: USDA's Brad Rippe says only 26% of the nation's winter wheat crop is rated good to excellent, while the poor-to-very-poor categories are growing. We
4: now see 41% of the crop rated very poor-to-poor, up from 39%
2: a week ago. And that could climb even higher next week as Kansas received some sub-freezing temperatures over the weekend. This week's rain has been a blessing to farmers and ranchers on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt tells us that history suggests more may be on the way this year.
3: We've been having some showers around the Texas High Plains this week, but what's ahead for us as we hope to truly break free from the drought? Mike Gittinger of the National Weather Service office in Amarillo says our best chances for good rains might come not this spring but more into the summer months. Gittinger bases that in part on what meteorologists refer to as analog years. What are analog years? In simple terms analog years are years in the past where ocean temperature patterns ran similar to what's happening in the current year of 2023.
5: The one that looks the most like it where you kind of have warm water in the central North Pacific and then this rim of cold water from Alaska down off the coast of North America and then you've got along the the equator the warm water trying to form back down there. The year that looked a lot like that was 2009. When you look at comparing the ocean temperatures of the 2009 coming out of La Nina and what it looked like in this one, they're very close. And the thing
3: about 2009 and another analog year of 1965 is that, in both cases, our area was on the dry side in the spring, but then had much wetter months in the summer. In
5: 2009, in August, we had an 8-inch rainfall month. The rest of the summer months were relatively normal, which is an improvement, though, on what we've been seeing, normal good. And in 1965, we had a 10.73-inch rainfall month in June. So it is kind of interesting that two of those analog years had a one month in particular that was very wet. So I'll be curious to see if we see something like that. But in either case, the summer was where we kind of got a little better rainfall pattern.
3: We'll see how it all plays out. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: International trade is very important for Texas agriculture. Tom Nicoletti visits with Texas Senior Senator in Washington. Reporting today from Washington, where I caught up with uh, U.S. Senator John Cornyn of Texas, and uh, he sits on the uh, Senate Committee on Finance and the Subcommittee on International Trade Customs and Global Competitiveness. And Senator, you just talked to a a group of uh, farmers and ranchers about international trade and some of the trips you've taken lately. And what are some of the concerns with the various competitors out there?
6: Well, obviously, we have some important trade agreements that are already in place, like the USMCA, the successor to NAFTA, and we need to make sure that the provisions of that treaty are enforced. And uh, that was the subject of, uh, one of the subjects of our meeting with President Lopez Obrador in Mexico City recently. Mexico is violating the terms of the USMCA by boycotting some uh, genetically modified corn. And uh, we pressed that issue with AMLO, as he is known. He said they were gonna continue to contest it, but they would accept the ruling of the panel that's been created under USMCA to decide that issue. And he said, ultimately, they would decide based on science. Unfortunately, many times, these sort of disputes rise from a desire to protect domestic production against imports. This was a negotiated treaty and one that needs to be enforced. But beyond that, one of the great things about Texas and American agriculture is it's so productive and we are able to export a lot of crops to people who need that food and fiber in other parts of the world, which is why I continue to advocate for more trade agreements, things like the Trans-Pacific Partnership within Asia. But we're going to keep fighting for america's uh, producers to be able to open up markets uh, around the world that again was u.s senator john cornyn
5: of texas in washington i'm tom nicoletti for the texas farm bureau radio network
2: springtime is bringing a lot of activities for farmers and ranchers in east texas james duncan has an update from marshall in east texas planting season is over with as far as our watermelons are concerned for the most part
0: now we do have a few producers that plant just a little bit later on to get that late, late summer, early, early fall market with fresh grown melons but uh, otherwise we're ready to go for the summer and looking forward to a good one all of our produce here in this area is looking to really out a good year prices are up everywhere and everybody knows eggs are high as a cat so to speak but uh, we'll expect to have some of those at farmers markets as well we have a great cottage industry in the goat milk soap area also because they make all types of products using that goat milk in the formulas for ladies body baths hardows, all that is good, and we have a lot of it in East Texas. So we're proud of that. Now, one of the things that I've noticed lately, in fact, a part of it myself, working cattle this spring, preparing for the fall markets with the steers and the like, we started looking at, let's expand this herd just a little bit. We can grow a few here. We found a good set of open heifers over here, farmers and ranchers in this area are purchasing young animals to put them on their grass because we're going to have a lot of it this year it looks like and then get them bred in the next uh, early fall breeding season to calve in 2024. By the time those calves get ready to hit the market according to the prognosticators we're going to have a good market. The market's going to be on the upswing because we should be in a restocking and a regrowing time in the beef cattle industry here in East Texas. We got a lot of grass. We just got to keep the markets up there where we can afford to do them. Cow and calf operations have always been difficult to make that profit line work, but we're finding a few things to add along with them to make it work. If we do that, we'll have good business forever. But right now, the eternal optimist that lives on a cattle ranch is surely up and viable, and we're looking to see the next few months, the next few years then, in an expansion mode here in east texas cattle industry like i said haying is just around the corner full swing already had some folks got some early green put down and bailed up took a long time to get it dry because the rain has really kept us back on that but it's moving forward as the old saying goes everything is looking up and we're going forward with our plans to expand this is james duncan reporting from east texas for texas ag today
7: The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is considering changes to its chronic wasting disease rules. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And stomach ulcers are common in performance horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in
2: Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Stomach ulcers in performance horses are common. Dr. Bob Judd says supplementing feed with omega-3 fatty acids may help.
8: Ulcers are extremely common in racehorses and other performance horses, as exercises cause stomach acid to be splashed on the unprotected squamous portion of the stomach, causing ulcers. Omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids are essential elements in the horse's diet, meaning these nutrients are required to be in the diet. I don't want to get too much into the chemistry of these compounds, but it is important to know that some are short-chain fatty acids and some are long-chain fatty acids. Mississippi State performed a study and supplemented a group of horses with short-chain fatty acids from a corn oil and flax supplement and some with long-chain fatty acids from safflower and fish oil supplement. The amount of total fatty acids were similar, and the difference was the length of chains and the source. The third group of horses were not supplemented at all, and all horses were exercised three times a week for about 90 days. And then the horses' stomachs were examined using an endoscope to check for ulcers. Results indicated that 54% of the non-supplemented horses had ulcers, 46% of the horses supplemented with short-chain fatty acids had ulcers, and only 31% of the horses supplemented with long-chain fatty acids had ulcers. Also, horses supplemented with the long-chain fatty acids had less severe ulcers than the other horses. Some species can change short-chain fatty acids to long-chain, but apparently horses are not effective at doing this, and therefore should be fed long-chain fatty acids directly. Horses fed fish oil and safflower as a supplement had significantly fewer ulcers than those fed flax oil. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau
2: Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is considering changes to its chronic wasting disease rules. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report.
7: The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department could change how it establishes chronic wasting disease surveillance zones after cases of the fatal neurological deer disease are found in deer breeding facilities. Dr. Hunter Reed TPWD's wildlife veterinarian recently discussed the proposed changes with the Parks and Wildlife Commission.
5: We are modifying our strategy as it relates to zone development and sampling approach at the direction of the commission. CWD detection solely in a captive breeding facility will see significant changes in terms of zone establishment.
7: The proposed amendments, which were published in the Texas Register Friday, outline several scenarios where a surveillance zone will not be implemented if CWD is found in a breeding facility but not in any of its associated release sites. The department will not establish a zone if the following criteria are met 1. The disease was detected early, 2. The transmission mechanism and pathway are known. Three, the facility was promptly depopulated following detection. And four, there is no evidence that free-ranging deer populations have been compromised. If any of the criteria are not met, TPWD will establish a CWD surveillance zone. Within those zones, the movement of live deer is restricted, and hunters are required to bring their harvested deer to a check station to be tested for CWD prior to leaving the zone. There are also deer carcass movement restrictions. The proposed amendments change the way surveillance zones are established if those four criteria are not met. We'll have more on that, additional proposed changes, and potential new zones on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
2: The cattle market bounced back to close higher on Wednesday, but cotton and grains continue to drop. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
6: We're giving you the market information
1: you need on Texas Ag Today.
2: We had a nice bounce back in the cattle market on Wednesday after trading mixed to lower most of the week. Live and feeder cattle both ending in positive territory. April live cattle up 22 cents, 174.52. The June up 55 at 164.57, while August was up 45 cents, 163.40. April feeder cattle up 60 20267 May feeders up 85 at 21027 with August feeder cattle up a dollar 45 at 23095 Cash fed cattle market still fairly quiet for the week feedlots here in the south asking 176 and better we did have one sale in the online fed cattle exchange on Wednesday that was a lot of Texas cattle they sold for 174 and a half now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Kenny Mingus my guest from Milam County Livestock auction Cameron Texas. Kenny how was your
4: Friday sale? Wait good Larry we had 1642. Out of that mix, we had 400 cows and 52 bulls. Walk the pins with us, Kenny. With the steers, under 300, 195 to 295. Three to 400-pound steers, 176 to 277.5. Four to 500-pound steers, 158 to 269. And over 500, 120 to 247. On the heifers, under 300, 180 to 275. Three to 400-pound heifers, 161 to 248. Four to 500-pound heifers, 139 to 242. And over 500 a to, to 220. Backer cows, that took a lot of money off of Steel Goods. 60 to 105. Packer is about steady. 90 to 125. On your bred cows, 14 to 1450. And on your chow-calf pairs, 1,000 to 2175. Good. What was the count? 1642. That sounds good. Now, what do you anticipate for this Friday, Kenny? Well, I've got I've got a couple of chow deals pending. Just trying to see what they decide to do. Uh, you know, we got good rain through all this country, Larry. We got anywhere from all oh, inch and a half to five inches. So, you know, I guess if it's going to slow down, it, it it's pretty good time for it to slow down, right? You know? Right, right. Uh, like I said, everybody got another rain, and 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 uh, so uh, I'm not real sure. I know a couple of guys put off some some, some T F work it last week uh, because of the weather. They may try to do it again this week. Got a shot of rain again Wednesday and Thursday. Yes, sir. We just kind of have to see how that plays out. But whatever we get, we'll be thankful for, and we'll summon it to the best of our ability. And you'll do that this next Friday on the Little River in Cameron, Texas. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You bet. Just catch us at the office on through Wednesday at 254 Follow us on our webpage at com, or catch us on Facebook. Hey, Brian, Larry Marble. You've been listening to Walking the Pins from the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network on Texas Ag Today.
2: Back over to the futures trade now, where lean hogs finished strongly higher on Wednesday. May hogs up $1.40, $78.27. The June contract jumped $3.22 to close at 90 27 Class 3 milk was mixed. Nearby April milk down $0.03 cents at eighteen sixty dollars 100 weights. The May contract up $4.16,64, 100. The cotton market slightly lower in Wednesday's trade. Very little fresh news to support the market. Of course, the outside markets continuing to keep a lid on any gains and possibly pressuring prices lower. And rain in West Texas also may be giving a bearish tone to the market. July cotton down 26 points, 78.36. October down 18, 79.69. The December down 21 at 79.16. Corn market seeing pressure all week long from a good looking Brazilian crop. In fact, talks of a possible record crop with May corn dropping five cents, 641.5, July corn down six and three quarters at 601, while September was down five a quarter, 5.46 and a quarter, 546.5. Rain across the Great Plains pressuring wheat prices all week long. Of course, we talked about the rain we've gotten here in Texas, but that's extended well on into Oklahoma, Kansas, and eastern Colorado. And that's put traders on the defensive with July, Kansas City wheat down another 19 and three quarters, 783 and a quarter. July, Chicago wheat down 11 at 642 a bushel. In the energy markets, June natural gas down 13 cents at 230. June West Texas crude down 290 at 74.17 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 277 points, 33,253. The NASDAQ up 44, 11,842. The S&P down 21 at 4,050. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to
1: Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org